den Richtlinien so vorgenommen worden sind, wie wir das für richtig halten. Das heißt... Salvation by Lawrence Pearson In Dublin, one almost got away. He was halfway out the door when they caught him, the spikes cast aside, his wounds already healed. It took five strong men to hold him to the cross while the others drove the nails back in. I know how hard it must have been. I had cross-watch duty at our church, St Luke's, last Friday, when hours awoke and I had to hammer back the spikes. I'll never forget the look of betrayal on his face, the blood from his crown of thorns trickling down into his accusing eyes. He turned back to wood that way, still facing me. He didn't stop bleeding. We've grown used to the blood, all of us. When the crisis first started, we had to dump the bucket once a week. Now we have to do it twice a day, and soon we'll be doing it every hour. But the worst time was when he came alive Sunday morning, while Minister Farley was reading from John. It took him almost a half hour to turn back, the sound of the hammers and his screams drowning out the sermon. The congregation had left as fast as they could, their eyes wide with terror and shock. I pray every night, and when I pray, I think about the look in his eyes. I pray desperately for guidance, for a sign that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm still worthy of salvation, and yet I still feel the fear, the cold uncertainty that grips my every waking hour. But we dare not stop now. I saw pictures of the congregation of St. Jude, the one who let him escape, the blood oozing from the wounds that appeared in their hands and legs. I saw their faces twisted in pain from the stigmata, their eyes blinded with blood from their invisible crown of thorns, and knew what we had to do. And so I watch when I have to watch and nail when I have to nail and pray. In fact, I pray now more than ever, four or five hours every night, I pray fervently that our Lord's bleeding would stop and that neither I nor anyone else would have to see those accusing eyes or drive in those nails ever again. And most of all, I pray that there is still salvation that mankind has not filled our world with so much blood that even the infinite mercy of our Saviour can no longer contain it all.
and still the words of Luke 23:34 haunt me. For though those Roman soldiers may not have known what they were doing, dear God, we most certainly do. While traveling home from a job interview in California, Mark and Allie Thurston suffer a car accident in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Allie, are you alright? After walking for miles to the nearest convenience store, they are greeted by Hap, the store owner, who invites them to stay the night in his home. Me and my son would be glad to have you. When the two announce their plans to stay in a nearby hotel and restaurant, the Old Tawan Buffet, Hap does his best to dissuade them, but when they insist, he leaves them with a strange warning. Don't eat the calamari. When the warning goes unheeded, Mark and Allie are plunged headlong into a cosmic nightmare. Mark! Mark! What's happening to me? Giants, frogmen, time travel, and interdimensional madness. Now you die, your alley dies, your old man dies, I find your home, all of your friends die. All of which concludes in a battle against an ancient evil. You will bow before the mighty Dion Dega. Together they must find a way to preserve their lives, their sanity, and perhaps even their world. Part love story and part comedy. Perfect for fans of Ghostbusters and Cloverfield, The Old Talon Buffet by Wesley Critchfield is a deep dive into Lovecraftian horror that will keep you in suspense and make you want to come back for seconds. Great. I've woken up in the middle of a British Three Stooges routine. More like Gilbert and Sullivan, I should think. No, Monty Python's far more my speed. The Old Talon Buffet, or Don't Eat the Calamari by Wesley Critchfield. Read it now on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Audiobook version now available for purchase on iTunes and Audible.com.